guys, I'm Ray Belli, and welcome back to Words for Granted, a podcast that looks at how words change over time. I say welcome back because it's been way too long since I published the last episode of the show, and I'd like to thank all of you for your patience. I'm glad you're here, and let's get right on with it. Longtime listeners, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so via Patreon. Just head over to patreon.com slash wordsforgranted or click the contribute link on the show's website, wordsforgranted.com. Every little bit adds up. For just a buck a month, you'll gain access to contributors-only bonus episodes, and you get to walk away knowing that you're helping to sustain the output of this independent show. There's a new contributors-only episode available, and it's a continuation of our current mini-series on Arabic loanwords in English. Here's a small taste of what the contributors are listening to. Most linguists believe that al-kahul ultimately comes from the Arabic word kahala, meaning to stain or paint. Believe it or not, kohl, or alcohol, was the Arabic name for a particular kind of powdery makeup. It was produced through sublimation, the chemical process of distillation by which a solid passes directly into its gaseous state, in turn bypassing the liquid state. With regards to the production of kohl, the byproduct of this process was a very fine reddish powder, and Arabs viewed this as the fundamental essence of the substance. The term spirit, as it is applied to the modern English sense of alcohol, derives from this similar idea. But we're jumping ahead in the story. So alcohol was once the term for a powdery kind of makeup. Weird. To learn the whole story, head over to patreon.com slash wordsforgranted and show your support. Without further ado, let's get on to today's show, the final episode in our mini-series on Arabic loanwords in English. Last time, we looked at the intertwined etymologies of chemistry and alchemy. Today, we'll be looking at the intertwined etymologies of algorithm and algebra. Unlike alchemy and chemistry, algorithm and algebra don't share a common linguistic ancestor. However, they do share a common human ancestor. What I mean by that is the etymologies of algebra and algorithm are both connected to the life of a single man. That single man is named Abu Abdullah Muhammad Ibn Musa al-Khawarizmi, or as he was known in the West, al-Khwarizmi, or al-Khwarizmi. Of these two Latinizations, al-Khwarizmi is a little closer to the original Arabic, so that's the name I'll be using today. Al-Khwarizmi was a talented geographer, astronomer, and, of course, mathematician. His treatise on algebra originally composed in Arabic, was the first of its kind composed in any language, and after it was translated into Latin, it spread throughout Europe and became one of the most influential texts on modern mathematics. He is also responsible for introducing the Arabic numerals to the West, and the term algorithm is directly derived from his own name. But before I spoil any more of the plot points of today's story, 
Let's start by taking a look at the historical landscape out of which these terms originally emerged. According to most scholars, Al-Khwarizmi was born in the Khwarizm region of Persia during the 780s CE. This region, which is the source of Al-Khwarizmi's namesake, roughly corresponds to the modern-day city of Kiva, Uzbekistan. There are some alternative theories regarding Al-Khwarizmi's birthplace and identity, but those debates are irrelevant to our story. What's relevant to us is that Al-Khwarizmi lived during an era known as the Islamic Golden Age, and that he studied at the House of Wisdom in Baghdad during the reign of the Abbasid Caliphate al-Mamun. So let's take a look at that. From the mid-8th through 13th centuries CE, the city of Baghdad was the greatest intellectual center of the Muslim world. It was home to the House of Wisdom, a cosmopolitan gathering place for scholars and wise men from every field of study. Astrology, medicine, zoology, alchemy, literature, you name it. At the time, it contained the largest collection of books in the world, comprising primarily Greek, Indian, Persian, Syriac, and of course, Arabic texts. Although it was initially begun as a private library, the House of Wisdom became a full-fledged academic institution under the rule of the Caliphate al-Mamun. Although the House of Wisdom was unquestionably a Muslim institution, it welcomed scholars from all religions into its doors. Believe it or not, it's actually thanks to the Muslim scribes at the House of Wisdom that many works of Greek literature and philosophy survived into modernity, only to be retransmitted to Europe later on. But that's a story for another time. According to Ibn al-Nadim, a Muslim biographer who lived a century after al-Khwarizmi's death, al-Khwarizmi's tenure at the House of Wisdom lasted from 813 to 833. This time period perfectly corresponds to the reign of the Caliphate al-Mamun, and unsurprisingly, al-Mamun and al-Khwarizmi were friends. In fact, al-Mamun personally encouraged al-Khwarizmi to publish that influential treatise on algebra that I mentioned a few minutes ago. This text was known in Arabic as, get ready for it, Al-Kitab al-Muktashar fi Hisab al-Jabbar wal-Muk'abala. Now, please, take my pronunciation of Arabic with a huge grain of salt. Regardless of pronunciation, the title translates into English as something like The Compendium of Calculation by Completion and Balancing, or The Compendium of Restoring What is Missing and Equating Like with Like. Now, if you were able to listen closely to the words in that long Arabic title, you might have heard a familiar-sounding word, al-Jabbar. Sounds like algebra, right? Well, indeed, al-Jabbar is the source of the English word algebra. But how come the word algebra isn't included in the English translation of al-Khwarizmi's title? Well, the Arabic word al-Jabbar ultimately derives from the verb jabara, meaning to reunite or restore, so al-Jabbar, rendered as a noun, is often translated into English as literally the reunion or restoration of broken parts. As I've mentioned in previous episodes in this mini-series, the Arabic word 
al is simply a definite article equivalent to the English word the. Okay, but what does the reunion or restoration of broken parts have anything to do with the mathematical subject of algebra? Many of you, myself included, probably haven't solved a proper algebra problem in decades, but you might remember solving for variables like x or y by manipulating the equation. If you have something simple like 3 plus x equals 5, you subtract 3 from both sides of the equation and arrive at x equals 2. In doing so, you are, in a sense, reuniting all the numbers on one side of the equation. You're putting like parts with like parts. Strictly speaking, this process of reducing and balancing or reuniting like parts with like parts is the Jabbar that Al-Khwarizmi referred to. Originally, Al-Jabbar was just a particular step in an algebraic operation. The broader sense of algebra, meaning an entire branch of mathematics using non-numerical symbols for calculation, is a later development of the word. As it turns out, operation is a fitting turn of phrase. The Arabic word al-Jabbar also referred to the practice of bone-setting. Before the advent of modern physical therapy, if you dislocated your joints or fractured your bones, you'd visit a bone-setter. They'd restore or reunite your broken joints and bones, hence the emergence of this medical sense of the term. Interestingly, this now antiquated sense of algebra, or algebra, made its way into English during the 14th century, and it actually predates the mathematical sense of the word by two whole centuries. What took so long for the mathematical sense of the word to come into our language? In order to answer this question, we need to backtrack a little bit. During the 12th and 13th centuries, countless works of Arabic literature were translated by European scribes into Latin. These translations took place in Spain, which at the time was under the rule of the Muslim Moors. Consequently, most Arabic loanwords in English, and for that matter, all European languages, passed through Spanish first. Among these Arabic texts that were translated into Latin was Al-Khwarizmi's Algebraic Compendium, and with it, the word algebra entered Latin. Latin scribes adopted it as an untranslated loanword and understood it to mean the branch of mathematics associated with the word today. Now, even though the Arabic al-Jabbar entered Latin as algebrae at this early date, it took several centuries for the word to filter down to the vernacular tongues of Europe because a. Only educated people were exposed to advanced mathematics, and b. Medieval education was primarily conducted in Latin. By the 15th century, the sun had begun to set on the Islamic Golden Age and had begun to rise for the European Renaissance. Having inherited Al-Khwarizmi's treatise on algebra, European mathematics began to make innovations in the field, and the rest is history. However, European mathematicians are indebted to Al-Khwarizmi for more than just his introduction of algebra to the West. They are also indebted to him for his introduction of the Arabic numerals to the West. 
aka the numerical symbols that you and I use on a daily basis. I'd like to acknowledge here that Al-Khwarizmi's Arabic numerals were really a direct borrowing of the Hindu numerals innovated in India, so the term Arabic Hindu numerals is really more accurate. Al-Khwarizmi encountered the Hindu numerals during his time at the House of Wisdom, a testament to the Institute's cross-cultural intellectual pollination, and he used them in his subsequent mathematics. Before the translation of Al-Khwarizmi's works, Western mathematics was done with the cumbersome Roman numerals. For the record, Roman numerals is also a misleading term, as the Romans borrowed their numerals from the Etruscans. However, thanks to the text known as On the Calculation of Indian Numerals According to Al-Khwarizmi, or in its Latin translation, Algorithmi de Numero Indorum, he explained the Indian system of decimals and numerals that, ultimately, we've all inherited today. Algorithmi, which is just a Latinization of Al-Khwarizmi's name, would soon go on to produce the Latin word algorismus, which broadly referred to any kind of mathematics performed with the Hindu-Arabic numeral system. Unlike the more specialized and sophisticated concept of algebra, the concept of algorismus, in other words, the ability to write 1 plus 1 equals 2 using the Hindu-Arab numerals, soon spread all over the Western world, even to everyday lay people using vernacular languages. In turn, the word algorismus was adapted by the vulgar tongues of Western Europe. The word algorism first appeared in English during the 13th century and can even be found in the works of Geoffrey Chaucer. Again, it simply meant the numbers, or more accurately, the symbols for the numbers that we all use today. Based on the way it sounds, you might be thinking that the word algorithm was an older, outdated form of the word algorithm. It is, but to my surprise, you can still find this older form, algorithm, in some modern dictionaries, and it still means the system of arithmetic performed with the Arab Hindu numerals. Based on the way it sounds, you also might be thinking that the word arithmetic has something to do with the etymological history of algorithm. But it doesn't, yet it possibly has a history connected to algorithm, which itself is a direct evolution of the word algorithm. Let me explain this seemingly contradictory situation. Arithmos is the Greek word for number, and only by chance does it resemble the Latin word algorismus. The Greek word arithmetike, literally the art of counting, passed into Latin, then French, and then English, where it survives today in the word arithmetic. However, by the 15th century, the pronunciation of the Latin word algorismus had shifted to algorithmus, and this trend trickled down into some of the common languages of Europe. In English, this changed algorithm to algorithm. Some linguists have suggested that this sound shift is thanks to the similarity of meaning between arithmetic and algorithm. The pronunciation of one word can change due to the pronunciation of another word with a similar meaning. We saw this phenomenon way back in episode 4 in our discussion of decimation and devastation. 
Algorithm is attested in English in as early as the 17th century, but at that time, it was simply a variant pronunciation of algorithm. The meaning hadn't yet changed, so both words meant the same thing. During the 19th century, however, algorithm was starting to become distinct from algorithm, which of course now is a word which has fallen into obscurity. The earliest divergent definition of algorithm is a process or set of rules to be followed in calculations. This is basically the sense of the word today, though we might add something about computers into that definition for the 21st century and beyond. All right, that's it for this one, guys. I hope you loved it. Again, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash wordsforgranted is your ticket. You can follow me on Twitter at at wordsforgranted and on Facebook as wordsforgranted. You can email me directly with comments, criticisms, and concerns at wordsforgranted at gmail.com. And last but not least, don't forget to leave a positive review on iTunes or your podcast directory of choice if you love the show. Those reviews boost the visibility of the show, and it's my mission to get this podcast into the hands of as many people as possible. Okay, see you next time, guys. Have a great day.